Ephesians chapter three. We're gonna start in verse 14 um, through verse 21. Um, I've got my scripture on a huge piece of paper here because it's just easier to read, okay? I don't wanna wear my glasses. All right, here we go. Verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That makes sense. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All right. That was pretty awesome. Um, Paul got excited there. I was reading some commentaries this week, um, and one said that this is like one of the most passionate prayers we're going to get from the Apostle Paul. Um, so just imagine as Paul's writing this, you ever, I don't know if you guys are journalists, but have you ever been writing, um, and you're so excited that you're like, my hand cannot write fast enough, and this is not legible anymore because I'm trying to go too quickly. I imagine Paul being like, okay, slow down. They've got to be able to read it. You're excited. Chill. Like, he's that excited right now. He's passionate as he's praying this, okay? So let's just, we're gonna kind of walk verse by verse, portion by portion. So let's just look at the beginning, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So as we've been walking through Ephesians, he's been writing about a lot of things, all the amazing things God is doing, the powerful work of Jesus, seating us in the heavenly realms, uniting all nations, all people, removing all barriers in the kingdom of God. And then Paul, after writing all these beautiful things, says, listen, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. Have you ever had that moment in class where the teacher's been talking for 45 minutes, she's been lecturing super hard, and she goes, students, if you've dozed off, if you're drawing pictures, if you're texting your girl or your guy, or you're scheming and plotting how you're going to skip this class, right now I need you to listen. This is going to be on the test, okay? I've been talking for a while, but this is important. That's kind of what I hear from Paul right now. He's like, hey, for this reason, okay, I know I've said a lot, this is why I'm praying for you. This is why I bow my knees, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... All right, so according to the riches of his glory, I was thinking about God and I, I was thinking about how if you're on Twitter or Instagram and you ever follow like National Geographic or NASA or something and they'll upload an image of some star that's like 473 trillion light years away and then all of a sudden you realize like just how big existence is, right? It's like, hey, it would take you, you know, 737 billion years if you were going 300,000 miles an hour to get and you're like what like how big is this place that we're living in and you kind of realize man earth must be just really tiny compared to all of existence right and it's like the same God that created all of that all of existence the one that that belongs to according to the riches of his glory all right let's keep reading that he may grant you to be strengthened with power 
through his spirit in your inner being. So this is Paul's prayer. That he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And as I was reading that this week, I was struck with this. I was like, I wonder why Paul didn't just stop it like that. You'd be strengthened with power. Because that feels powerful. If, if Paul's just like, hey, the, the, the spirit would strengthen you. It's like, great. But Paul takes a next step. He says, in your inner being. And I started thinking about that. What's that mean? What's your inner being? And I, as I was thinking, it's like that's the inside of you is what makes you who you are, right? So when I look across the room, I see everything that's external in you. But really what's internal in you, your inner being, your soul, is what drives everything you do. It's what drives how you react. Uh, it, it, it's what drives what you do, what you're motivated, your dreams, what you love, what you hate. Like your inner being is what dictates everything about you. Does that make sense? And, 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 God, and Paul is going to write here that he wants God by his Holy Spirit, according to the riches of his glory, to have complete access to your inner being. And I, I started thinking about my year, 2017, so I'll catch you up on what my year's been like. We haven't talked in a while. So um, 2016 was one of these like really cool years for me, all right? So it was like a habit-shaping year. I, I started habits I wanted to start. I was like, oh, I never thought I'd start that habit. I'm doing it. Like I'm working out regularly. I'm journaling. I never used to journal. I'm praying. I'm like praying before bed. I used to never do that. I get too tired and just fall asleep or check Instagram. You know, I'm starting good habits, I've been biting my nails all my life. I stopped biting my nails. I was really thankful for that, all right? Small detail, all right? I've been drinking coffee. I was addicted. I stopped drinking coffee. Really thankful for that. I started back since then. Okay, we'll talk about it later. All right, so 2016 was just a good year. But 2017, uh, I was talking to the Ethos staff just the other week. And I, I said, you know, in every season you produce fruit. Every season. There, there's a yield to, to what you've been doing. And man, 2017 has been a bummer for me. I feel like I'm producing bad fruit. I just, I don't know if I left 2016 just super cocky that I could start any habit and stop any habit I wanted to. But what I found was as doubt entered my life, as very real fear entered my life, I had this random fear of death enter my life. I don't know why. I just started being scared of it. And I noticed that the first thing to leave my life as doubt and fear and struggle entered into my heart was the strengthening of my inner being via his spirit. And I want to flesh that out because that's weird language that we don't typically use. But prayer, like talking with God, kind of left. Like I'd pray for people, and I think I meant it, but I, I stopped being open to the hands of God coming into my heart and having his way. I stopped talking about things that I was scared of about things that I was stressed about, about sin in my life, about temptation. And I just remember, I just kept looking back at 2016 in surprise. Like, man, I used to really, it's so funny how fast that can happen. At one minute, you're like praying to the Lord, and the next minute, you're like, no, I'm just going to go to sleep tonight. I'm just going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to go to work. And what was so weird was I was still leading a house church. I think I even taught here a couple times so far. You know, I was still doing ministry. And from your eyes, you're like, I mean, I'm in if we're just being honest, I'm doing the things that people would respect in the kingdom of God, right? I mean, I'm teaching from the word, right? So externally, I was okay. But I had bypassed, completely bypassed God's work on the inner being. And this scripture, what this tells me is Paul is like, everything you do is not what I'm talking about. Who you are is what I'm praying for. Your inner being, that no matter what you're doing externally, no matter what people see in you, 
that what I'm praying for is that the God of all things, according to the riches of his glory by the power of his spirit, would strengthen your inner being. Everything that drives you, everything that makes you, you. I'm praying that God would strengthen there. And isn't it true, can you relate to that? That that's the easiest thing to bypass. As things get busy, as you have a second kid, like as you get a new job, as major transitions are happening, I don't know if you relate to that, but for me, the first thing to go is like me being vulnerable. (laughs) Me being like, God, let's talk about the condition of my heart as I'm stressed. It's like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Why? It stresses me out. I'm stressed about it. Like, I don't want to talk about it. But Paul says, I'm praying that that's the first thing that happens is that God gets access there. Now let's, let's keep reading in verse 17. It says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, as a, in, at first glance, when I read this this week, it kind of sounded like a salvation moment. Like, Oh, that, that God would strengthen your spirit so that Christ could dwell in your hearts. That sounds like, for me as a Baptist, like, you know, you ask God and you ask Jesus into your heart. That's what happens, you know. But as I was thinking about it, I'm like, wait, this is a letter to Christians. That's very clearly he's writing to people who know Jesus. So it's not, a, it's not a salvation moment. It's not a conversion moment. And if it's not that, then what is it? And as I was reading and studying, I, I started to look at this word dwell, that Christ may dwell in your heart. This isn't talking about that Jesus may enter your heart. It's that may, he may dwell there that he may live there. In other words, that it would be his home. And I started thinking, okay, what's this mean? If it's his home, why is that different? Why would Paul differentiate that? And I started thinking, you know, there's a big difference when you walk into someone else's house versus when you walk into your house, right? All right, let's, let's, let's go, just follow this with me. So you walk into someone else's house. What's the expectation? All right, the host is gonna kind of tell you how this thing goes, right? Hey, take your shoes off if you need to. I had some neighbors from Canada. They live here now. They said taking the shoes off is normal there. So I walked in there. I take off my shoes because they told me to. Like that's, that's something they do because it's their house that they kind of set the rules, right? They show me where the living room is. I sit on the couch. I talk. If they invite me into the kitchen, I eat whatever they have chosen to serve me. You know, what are some things I don't do? I don't go into the bathroom, you know, do my business and then start opening in their drawers. You know, I don't want to know what's going on in the drawers of their bathroom. I, it may be normal things like my drawers in my bathroom, but I don't know that for sure. And like, I don't want to check there. I don't open the pantry and go, all right, what's the snack game like? Like, what am I feeling right now? You know, I don't do that. Why? It's not mine. I don't go into their bedroom. If doors are closed, I don't open them. I don't want to see all the garbage they've tossed in there to give on the illusion that their house is actually clean. Like I'm like trying to respect their home, right? Why? It's not my home right? I don't want to run into anything embarrassing or awkward. And I don't want them to catch me like, you know, snooping around in their room. That would be awkward and weird, right? Now follow me. Let's go to my home now. So when I go home, what do I do? All right. I've done my laundry. I just got it out of the dryer. I'm 75% done with laundry. Now all I got to do is hang it up and I throw it on the floor. That's just what I do. Why? It's my home. I can do that. I can choose my outfits from the floor. It's easier. It's more spread out. You can kind of just see it all working. And it's like, okay, I kind of know what I want to wear now because it's spread out instead of in a closet all you know, clumped together. I can do that, right? It's kind of messy. It's not good. I should hang it up, but I can do that. It's my home, right? If I want to go into the kitchen and make eggs, I can go into the fridge, grab some eggs, crack it, put them on. I'm doing it. It's great. My room was a little cluttered the other week. So what I do, I redid all the furniture. I got way more walking space. I can walk. I can kind of run in there. It's like, it's super open. Why? It's my room. I can put my furniture wherever I want to put my furniture. That's my home. And as I was reading this this week, what I realized was Jesus wants your inner being, your heart to be his home. 
that Jesus is not looking to rent your heart. He is not looking for an Airbnb for the weekend. That Jesus wants to walk in to every part of your heart and call it home and to have his way. Because when it's your home, it's all hands on, right? You need to redo a room, you redo a room. You need to repaint, you repaint. You need groceries, you get groceries. You need to eat, you eat. Why? It belongs to you. As I was reading this passage, I'm like, man, what God is asking here is that Jesus would have all access to the homes that is our hearts. That there wouldn't be this awkward agreement to where Jesus, okay, this is my room right here. Uh, The door's often going to be closed. These two doors are closed, but you can have this. This is your room. There's a living room. There's the kitchen. You know, if you have any questions, run something by me. But if doors are closed, please stay off. And to completely ruin the metaphor, just imagine that those rooms, that there's like words on the doors, pride, forgiveness, wounds, doubt, fear, anxiety, depression, uh, just you name the room, but there's certain rooms that we're like, just like, Jesus, it's cool. I'm so glad you're here, but if you could just stay away. And God's like, no, man, Jesus showed up with a briefcase full of cash and said, I'm buying this thing in full. I want to live here. I want this to be my home. And right now, as we're talking through this, I, could, I, I, can just, I felt me this week, you know, sitting in the chair, feeling the tension, feeling the hands of my heart, grab onto the things that I don't want to let God have access to. It's like, Jesus, you can touch a lot of things in this home, but you can't have that one, right? Like, that's kind of my thing. I'm kind of protecting that. Like, I'm going to deal with that when it's time, you know. And I know that a lot of us right now, we feel tension. There's places in our heart that we just don't want to open up to about God. We don't want to say it out loud. We certainly don't want him to speak into it. We're just hiding. But here's what's so cool about this passage in Ephesians 3. Paul's about to give us kind of the why. Like what's the result of allowing the Holy Spirit to strengthen our inner being, that Christ may make his home in our hearts, have his way. Let's keep reading because this is about to get insane. What God is going to do as a result of this, that you, in the second half of verse 17, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. AKA, basically, you need God to strengthen your heart, to refine you, to mold you so that you can fully appreciate the love that God was offering in the first place. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that was relieving. It's like Jesus is not walking in a tyrant, like, hey, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, give it up, it's mine now, like, I'm, I'm running this. It's like, no, he's in for our good. He's coming in saying, give this to me, give this to me, give this to me. I want to get you on track to begin to understand just how infinite my love is. I sense that he's like, I want to get you swimming in the infinite love of God. I want to help you swim there. I want to help you bask in the understanding that his, that his love never runs out. And in order to do that, I need access to your heart. But this is for your good. Have you ever heard that? Like, man, what God is doing in your life, he's doing it for your good. And in some seasons, it's harder to believe that. This sort of names what he's doing. He's inviting you into a deeper understanding into just how deep his love runs for you. And he's going to get really excited. This is when he gets passionate. He says, 
that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And as I was reading those words, you know, I thought about breadth and that's talking about kind of like how wide it is. And in, earlier in Ephesians, it was talking about how, man, no divides uh, exist in the kingdom of God. No racial, no gender, no socioeconomic, nothing exists. Jesus is here to unite all of us. That love, that is that wide, no continent, no nation, no state, no province, nothing can separate the love of Jesus. It covers everything. It's that wide. It says the word length, in John 6, 38, Jesus says, for I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus travels a great length from all of glory down to earth. He comes here to be with people to show his love. He travels a great length. He talks about height. In Ephesians 2, 6, it says that Jesus, we have been seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. Man, Jesus didn't only travel a great distance. He took us a great distance up. He sits us in the heavenly realms with him. Man, he invites us into the family. What depth in Philippians 2, 8, it talks about Jesus taking on flesh, humbling himself, going to the low of lows. We're talking about the king of glory, angels singing his praises for all of eternity. And he instead takes on flesh and washes feet that had to be covered in mud and feces and takes a cross. And while on the cross says, Father, forgive them like perfection comes to the lowest of lows. It says, I love you. This is what's at the table, this kind of love. And I'm not talking in like metaphor right now because we hear this and, and, and like right now, some of you are so slow to go, oh yeah, that's at the table for me. Like Paul, this is literal right here. This is at the table, this love of God. And this can be hard to believe, right? Because let's be real, uh, in our culture, what do we see? Like what idea of love do we really see on display, right? When I think about it, I think about even now as I'm, as I'm dating someone, I'm trying to weed out some of like the false understanding of love, like this like rom-com emotional love, like you feel it, you feel good all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I saw them, we locked eyes and I was just done from there and they never got on my nerves ever, you know? Like, that's not real life, that's not real love. Like love takes commitment, but we don't see that very often on display or adored in our culture, we see reciprocated love. You know, they treat me super well. They love me. They walk with me. I love them back. It's like, we don't hear love your enemies a whole lot. We don't really see that adored in culture or uplifted. It's like this kind of love that we see displayed in Jesus is only available in creator God. It is only made available by the spirit of God. And it is at the table for you. And it goes further. It doesn't stop with us. We as the church, straight up, are the body of Christ. It's like that is our responsibility, right? We are the body of the living savior of the world who embodies this love. And we have this mission to go and make disciples. There's some things about Jesus that can feel vague and ambiguous. Like, okay, what do you mean there? But when he says, go to every nation, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, that's, that wasn't a parable, right? <laughs> like he was like, oh, go do this. If you're looking for a calling, this is the calling right here, okay? Like this is his command. And we as a church cannot begin to exhibit the depth of this love until we understand that it is 100% available to us. 
And that in order to access this love, in order to, to live into this love, we must first let God examine our hearts by the power of the Spirit. In about one minute, we're going to enter discussion at the table because the hope of this like summer season is that we don't spend a long time teaching and then like, you know, load some information in your brains and you take it somewhere else. It's that you know, we, we give you a pedestal, here's the teaching, and now let's process it together. Let's take this somewhere else. But I wanted to encourage us today in this room that no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, wherever you're at with God this morning, however cold or warm your heart is, that I really do believe uh, that this love is for you, that it's yours right now for the taking, um, that Jesus longs to take you deeper and deeper into this infinite love, and then he longs to show this love through the world. Um, so as we talk at our tables, um, there was two questions um, that I wanted to kind of discuss. And before I even say those out loud, um, so if you're new here, something we do at tables, we talk, um, we have discussion. And not everyone walked into this building thinking, hey, I'm ready to be really vulnerable and honest with someone I don't know. Um, and we really want to respect that. Um, so as we talk through um, these questions, um, the responsibility to everyone as a listener um, is to simply appreciate someone's willingness to be honest and vulnerable. Um, AKA, um, I'm not saying, um, hey, give really good advice back. Hey, fix their problem. All right, that, I release of us all of that role. All right, so let's just be good listeners at the table today as we reflect on um, kind of this word from Paul. Um, so there's two questions. If you want to write them down, you can. I don't think they'll be hard to remember, but first, I want us to share at our tables um, where have we seen the love of God? Now, for some of us, we're like, okay, that's, that's easy, it's basic. And for others, we're going, you know what? I haven't really thought about that. Uh, but just think, this could be in the, next, the last 24 hours. It could be this morning. It could be in the last year. But just where in your life have you experienced and seen the tangible love of God? And the second question, um, to go back to that kind of house metaphor, what rooms and your heart are off limits right now to God. And here we can be as vague or specific as we need to be. But I thought this would be an awesome time to one, remember that God loves us for real, that he really does have our best interests at heart. Um, and two, because of that, we can trust him for real with some of the things that right now we're just slow to trust him with. And you can be as vague or specific as you need to be here because you don't know it. You may not know the people at your table. And so you're like, I don't want to get into like the darkest parts of my heart right now. That's okay. I understand that. I mean, if you don't want to share, you can simply say, hey, I'd love to hear from you guys. But um, these are the two questions. For the next 10 minutes, we're just going to play some music, um, super chill vibes, talk at our tables. And then in 10 minutes, I'm going to come back up and then I'll give you some instructions for communion that's already at your tables. Um, and then we're just going to worship together. And I'll give you some more instructions after that. But for the next 10 minutes, let's share that. Um, where have you seen the love of God in your life? And be specific. And then two, what are some rooms right now in your heart that are, are simply just off limits? God doesn't really have access to. Does that make sense? Is that cool? We can respond. Is that cool? Is everyone okay? Okay. Awesome. Let's do it. Um, if, you guys are, if you guys are still talking, um, please don't let me interrupt it. Uh, keep going. Um, if, you, if you finished up, um, I want to enter into a time of communion, and there's, there's bread and juice at your table. Um, and I just invite you to, 
just one person at your table, pray over the table. Um, there's, a, there's a good chance that some people have confessed some places that they want to open up to God, that they need help trusting the Lord. Um, and we want to pray for that. We want to invite God to do uh, what we talked about today. Um, and I'm going to read verses 20 through 21 as kind of ascending into communion. Um, and then after communion, uh, we're going to have a pastoral team. Um, Joe and Darcy are back here. Raise your hands, Joe and Darcy. That's our pastoral team. Um, Matt Vandemeyerecker's right here. They're going to be at the Respond banner. And if during worship you want to talk a little more specifically or be prayed over, um, these people are designated, have given their time and their hearts to praying for you. So don't hesitate to go back here to this Respond banner. So I'm going to read this, and then I invite one person at your table to pray, and then Jared is going to, uh, Jared and Jake are going to lead us in worship. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I invite you guys to pray.